Welcome to the February 28th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is John chapter 8, verses 48 through 59, and the sermon is entitled, Living a Lie, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. We're working through the Gospel of John. This is sermon number 32 in the series, Going Through the Gospel. The old disciple John is writing down the life of Jesus Christ under the inspiration of God. But he's not writing down every little jot and tittle of Jesus' life. He cannot do that. He says at the end of his gospel, if we were to write down the entirety of Jesus' life, the world cannot contain the books. But John, under God's inspiration, is writing the high water marks of Jesus' ministry so that he can lead the world to Jesus, his Lord and his Savior. He had come to Christ and he wanted to give an account that could lead anyone to the living Lord Jesus. Uh, So this is an accurate, concise record of all of the life of Jesus. And what is amazing about the record of the Bible is we see those sweet accounts of Jesus' life where he touches someone and heals someone, someone responds to his words, someone comes to him as Savior, someone responds to his invitation. And we see those wonderful accounts of Jesus' life. But we also see the challenges and the heartaches and the enemies of Jesus in the accounts of the Gospels. Primarily in John, we see some of the enemies of Jesus. Today, as we conclude chapter 8, we have been studying those who hate the ministry of Jesus Christ, and we continue in that thought. John wants us to hear it. This is the Word of God. It is important. Amen? Again, the Word of God is not in this book. The Word of God is this book. And so every word is important and every word is worthy of our study. So as we conclude chapter 8 today, let me give you a little a moment uh, just to pull us all together as to where we are in this Bible study. At the beginning of chapter 8, Jesus forgives the adulterous woman who was dragged before him to be stoned to death. The law of God said a person who is caught in the act of adultery is to be stoned, taking that evil out of, taking that cancer out of the nation of Israel. And yet Jesus forgives her. But there was still a death to atone for her sin. It was his death on the cross, not her death, but his death that forgave her sin and called her into the kingdom of God. Of course, you know that mob was going to stone her with stones, and he said, let he who is without sin among you be the first to cast the stone. And the stones began hitting the ground because no one, all under conviction, no one could cast a stone to kill her, all knowing that they also sinned against God. When that moment happened, the crowd dissipates, leaving only Jesus and the woman. Jesus forgives her. Jesus saves her. Jesus sends her off with the command, go and sin no more. If you know Jesus as your Savior, it will change your life. If you say you know Jesus and my life has not changed, go back to square one. Because something's wrong. Knowing Him will change your life, will change your thought will change the way you want to live. That was true for her. But as she leaves Jesus, a new woman, a forgiven woman, the crowd then comes back around him. And the crowd is composed of all kinds of people. People who had come to him as Savior, people who knew him personally as Lord. There were also those there who doubted, 
who were questioning, who did not understand the message yet. And there were some in that crowd gathering around him who literally hated him so much they wanted to put together a plan to rid the world of Jesus, to kill him, to murder him. And basically that crowd was composed of the religious leaders of Israel, the scribes and the Pharisees, those who led the worship in the temple. Why did they hate him so much? The reason these men of God, supposedly men of God, hated him was because Jesus revealed them as phonies, as fakes. They taught the Word of God. They wore the robes and the clothing. They had all the honor of the people. But Jesus said, you're fakes in what you're doing because you're teaching the Word of God, but you don't know the God of the Word. You have no personal connection with Him. Your heart doesn't belong to the Father. So you're fakes and you're phonies and you're lost and you're hell-bound. Though you might be leading Israel in worship, you yourself will be going to hell. How sad that is. But as we look at chapter 8, he assures the people that he is the Lord, that he came from God to speak the truth. In uh, John chapter 8, verse 28, he alludes to his own crucifixion, saying, when I am lifted up, when I am mounted on the cross you will realize that I am God. But the Jewish religious leaders, scribes and Pharisees, hated his truthfulness. They hated Jesus. And they said to him, we don't need you. We are free men. We're free through Father Abraham. Remember, Father Abraham was the progenitor, was the patriarch of the nation of Israel, was the beginning of the Jewish lineage. And so all of these scribes and Pharisees say, we are part of the favored nation of Israel. Therefore, God sees us as forgiven. God sees us as his own children. But Jesus nails down the raw truth with this group. He looks at them in the face and he says, Abraham, the righteous man, was a friend of God, a servant of God. He loved the Lord with all of his heart, but he's not your father. You proclaim Father Abraham as your father. He's not your father. And Jesus very frankly says, let me tell you who your father is. Look at John chapter 8, verse 44. Jesus very truthfully lays it all on the line, and he says this to these men who proclaim to be of God, but they're very lost. He says, verse 44, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So Jesus very frankly says, you're not a father Abraham. You're not a father God. Your father is the devil. You're lost men. You're filled with the lies of Satan. You reject the truth of God and the truth of God is standing right here with you. The Son of God, the revealed truth of God, is speaking to you now. Well, of course, those words only further harden these scribes and Pharisees against Jesus, and they hate Him all the more. Well, that's where we pick up Scripture today. So we're going to close out John chapter 8. I want you to go with me to verse 48 as we hear these closing words of the gospel of John chapter 8. Then answered the Jews, now these are these leaders, these men who hate him. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan, and hast a devil? Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and ye do dishonor me. 
and I seek not mine own glory, there is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Then said the Jews unto him, now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead and the prophets. And thou sayest, if a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead. Whom makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say, I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him, and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am Then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. So as we look at this conversation, as God blesses the word as we hear it right now, looking at this conversation, the Pharisees absolutely do not believe Jesus. He has been called of God. He has been sent by God. He represents the very truth and the Word of God. But they want to smear His reputation. They want to drag Him down, not as the Son of God, but rather as false and a liar. So they want to smear His reputation and His background. Look again at verse 48. This is a very offensive verse. John 8, 48. Here's what they say to Jesus. Then answered the Jews and said unto Him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil. Now, as we look at that verse, this really attempts to assassinate the character of Jesus in two ways. The first thing they say is this. You are not fully a Jew. We suspect that you have some Samaritan blood in you. That's the first smear of Jesus' reputation. Here's the second one. They say to him, secondly, we believe that you're not of God, but rather we believe that you have a devil living in you. All right, let's back up to the first one. We suspect that you have Samaritan blood in you. Why did they accuse Jesus of being a Samaritan? Well, they're asking really, who is your father? You see, we know your history. We know about your mother carrying a child out of wedlock. Out of wedlock, we know that Joseph became your earthly father, and we know that he married Mary, your mother. But who is really your earthly father? We suspect it is a no good Samaritan. Now, I want you to know that is one of the cruelest insults that could be leveled against a Jewish man. We suspect that your daddy was a Samaritan. It was a, a, a lowbrow insult against the character of Jesus the Christ. In fact, most men would have been throwing a punch right now when somebody would level an accusation against him like that, when their mom was accused of such adultery. But I want you to notice here, 
If you read that entire passage of Scripture, Jesus never, never replies to that. It is even below his dignity to even reply to a cruel, awful insult like that. He just lets it be. He never replies to it. But he does reply to the second one about having a devil inside him. He said, I don't have any sort of devil in me. What I do totally honors God the Father. You scribes and Pharisees attempt to shame me. But as he says in verse 50, I'm not here for my own glory. I'm not here to accumulate fame for myself. I'm not here to pass an offering plate and become rich. I'm here to honor the Father. I'm here to do the Father's will. I'm not here to seek my own glory. I'm here to give glory to God the Father. In fact, he's pointing forward to the fact that his earthly life is not going to end in glory. His earthly life is going to end in the shame of a cross. That he allows himself to be mounted to an old rugged cross so that he would die for our sin. He would not die in this blaze of victory or this blaze of glory, but rather he would die a sinner's death in order to atone for you and me, sinners alike. The perfect lamb, the perfect son of God gave himself to a cross that you and I might be forgiven. He died a sinner's death for that adulterous woman. He died a sinner's death for Pastor Mike Fitzgerald. He died a sinner's death for you, for every one of us on that cross. Taking our place. And his last cry from that cross was the cry of victory that he had finished a battle. He had paid the debt for every sinner. When he said, it is finished, he is saying, salvation's debt has been paid. It is finished on the cross. He died in our place. Look at verse 51, John 8, 51. Remember these flag words, verily, verily. Whenever you see them in your Bible, that's truthful. This is truthful, truthful. This is very important. So in verse 51, Verily, verily, I say unto you, If a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. This is important. He tell, now listen, he is telling the men who hate him the most on earth how to be saved. He is giving the gospel. He is giving the good news. He's giving the truth to the people on earth who hate him the most. He is telling them how to make an about turn in their life and to be saved. Verily, verily, he says, if a man keeps my saying. In other words, and many of your translations say, if a man keeps my word, whoever keeps my word, that person will never see or experience or taste death. As I said in the early service this morning, this past week, we sent one of our saints home, Eunice Stevens, 97 years old, a godly woman. And although we had a funeral service for her, she never died. She simply transitioned from this old earth to home, to an address that would never change. It's true for every one of us who accept and live in the word that Jesus teaches us. We will never die. Don't miss this. Jesus is offering that same promise to men who hate him. And it is still true today. Jesus is offering that same promise to the greatest atheist in the world. 
Anyone can know Him as Lord and Savior. Anyone can make that turn in their life and accept His Word and His promise and His truth. But the Pharisees reply, Now we know you are full of a devil. We know that you're a liar because you're saying if you keep the Word of God, you will not die. Notice they even quote Jesus in verse 52. But here's their logic in calling, a Jesus, calling Jesus a liar here. The Pharisees are saying, Father Abraham was one of the greatest men who ever walked the face of the earth. Father Abraham, the beginning of our lineage, was a godly, righteous man, and he died. And the very prophets who wrote the Word of God, who laid forth the Word of God that we might have it, those prophets, Isaiah died, Jeremiah died. Habakkuk died. All of the prophets who wrote the word died. Moses died. So how can you say those who know the word will never die? We know you're a liar. All of your teaching and all of your word can't be true because men are dying and yet you say we'll never die. But as they're hearing these words from Jesus, they will not hear what Jesus is saying to them that that person will have eternal life, will transition to a home in heaven. Here's what Jesus is saying. Gentlemen, all of your teaching is hollow. Your fancy robes, your, your honor on the street corners, it's all based on a lie. You open the Bible and supposedly teach the Word of God, but you don't even know the Lord. How sad that is. You're strangers to God. You know, certainly there are people who live, these men of God, supposedly men of God, were righteous, supposedly righteous, wearing their robes, being teachers, but they were far away from God. God was a stranger to them. They didn't know God. But the tables will turn one day. We're strangers to God when we don't know Him. But God says, one day when you stand before me, the Lord Himself will say, I never knew you. You're a stranger to me. You never came to me. You never put your life in my hands. You know, I have a little poem that's on a file cabinet in my office. And every time I walk in the little room that keeps all my file cabinets with all the sermons I've preached over the years, I, I, I glance over this little poem as I walk by. Here's what it says. As you pass this little church, please stop in for a visit. So when they finally carry you in, God won't say, who is it? We don't want to be strangers to God. We want the Lord to know us. We want to know Him. Within that little bit of humor, there's truth. We want a relationship. He wants a relationship with us. We want that recognition. We, we want that salvation, that, that walk with Him. Can you imagine the tension, though, it's building between these men and Jesus because they simply will not hear him. They will not follow him. They will not accept his invitation to life. Jesus is not holding the truth back here. Why? Because these men are in trouble. They are one heartbeat away from hell. Their fancy robes, their honor in the streets will not save them. And Jesus is laying the cards on the table. He's laying the truth to them that they might turn, but they never do. They look the part, they play the part, they speak good words, but they're as lost as they can be. 
and they're mad at the truth. Rather than accept the truth, they become angry at the truth. Look at verses 56 through 58. Remember, this is Jesus speaking in verse 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. If there's a verse to underline today in your Bible, underline that one. Underline verse 58. Before Abraham was, I am. That's an amazing verse. Jesus says here, I have a connection with your father Abraham. Remember in this point of time when Jesus is speaking to these religious leaders, Abraham lived 2,000 years ago. He had long been off the face of the earth. But as he's speaking to these men, he says, I know all about Abraham. In fact... I know Abraham personally. I walked with him. I spoke to him. I know exactly who Abraham is as a righteous man because I know him personally. And these religious men, they're freaked out by that. How in the world could you know Abraham? You are not even 50 years old and he lived 2,000 years ago. How could you know him? you remember God the Father told Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 verses 2 and 3 if you follow if you follow me Abraham you may not know everywhere that I'm leading you and I might not give you the road map to tell you exactly where we're going to end up but I will always lead you in the right direction you just follow me in faith and if you follow me in faith you're going to end up in the right place and if you follow me in faith this is the covenant and the promise I make to you If you will follow me, Abraham, I will take your family and I will bless you and I will bless your family and I will bless all the generations of your family that one day you will be a blessing to all the families of the world. And Jesus is standing before these religious men saying, I'm that blessing God made as a promise to Abraham. Through his family, salvation can come to the world through my cross. Jesus is explaining the truth to them, and they just can't believe it. He makes this huge statement when he says, Before Abraham lived, I am. If you remember in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, we learned that that is the name of Almighty God that he gives to Moses. When Moses says, When I go to the people of Israel and they say, What is God's name? God said, Tell them my name is I am that I am. In a shortened version, it is I am. Yahweh, the beginning, the middle, and the end. And there is no beginning, and there is no end. I am that I am. And so Jesus says, before Abraham was, he used God Almighty's name and said, I am. He told them in that moment, I am God standing with you now. Friends, I want you to understand this within what we believe as what the Bible tells us about Jesus. There are many faiths and religions in the world that point out Jesus was a good man, that Jesus came from God, that Jesus was a prophet of God. That's not what we believe. We believe by the Word of God that Jesus is God. All right? 
That is point number one of the faith we live. Jesus Christ is God Himself. And He tells us literally so in this verse. I am. Jesus was with Abraham because Jesus is God. So what happens when Jesus identifies Himself as God? Do the scribes and Pharisees fall on their knees and worship Him? No. Maybe they fall on their knees... But they do so in order to pick up rocks to stone him, to further call him a liar. If they could, to bring about his death, to murder him, because they simply will not believe him. But remember that Jesus is living on God's timetable. And he was going to die on the cross in just a few days. It would not be long. But this was not the moment nor the mode of his death. And so because this was not the moment and this is not the way he is supposed to die, God simply gave him the direction and the power to walk through them and right out of the temple and right out of that danger. Because Scripture says it wasn't his time to die yet. But his day is coming very soon. And that's where Scripture ends today. How utterly sad. It's a sad ending to Scripture because it's sad because these men would not believe him would not turn and come to him, couldn't look past their robes and their honor and their pretend teaching to come to Jesus as Savior. John is compelled by the Spirit of God to tell us that. So it's painful to hear, I know, but it is the truth of God revealed to us and we have to know it and study it. You know, in in Matthew and Luke, Jesus describes hell as a place of gnashing of teeth. You remember that? Jesus describes hell as a place of gnashing of teeth. The Greek word for gnashing is brugma, and it basically means you grind your teeth in pain and utter regret for a mistake that you've made. The place of gnashing of teeth. And these men, and Jesus tells them, you're not going to be saved. You can read through chapter 8, you will see it. They're going to end up in that place where they will eternally regret that the Son of God stood right in their midst, right before them, spoke to them, and they wanted to stone Him. And forever and ever and ever, they will gnash their teeth in great regret. How utterly sad to be offered forgiveness and to turn it down. It's what they did. Listen, church, today there are are so many people, the world is full of people who may speak the name of Jesus. Some speak his name flippantly. Some even use his name in curse words. His name is used in many ways in the world. There are some who use his name and they're good folk, law-abiding. Some of them might even sit in church services. But life is hollow. They might speak the name of Jesus. They might sing the hymns and hear the sermons. But there's no trust in their heart. There's no love for Him. There's no communication with Him. There's no walk with Him. It's all in word and not in truth. And Satan can use that facade of being religious that we use the name of Jesus 
But one day we will stand before God and God will say, I, I never knew you. Because you never really wanted to know me. You never came to me at my invitation to be my son or my daughter. And over and over again, I asked you to come, and I showed you my love, and I showed myself to you in the very nature that you walked in, and I showed you myself day after day, and you heard the invitation to me, and you never came, and you don't know me, and I don't know you. Pharisees pretended to love God, thought they had a relationship, but it was fake. It was not real. Today, if you're here in person or you're listening by streaming, no matter who you might be, don't be the one who just goes through the motions. Don't be the one who mentions Jesus' name but has no relationship with Him. He wants us to be connected to Him in love, to feel His love poured upon us do you truly love Him as your Lord? Do you tell Him you love Him? Husbands, I hope you tell your wives you love them regularly. Wives, back at you, same thing. But do we tell our Lord we love Him very often? You know, one man had been married for years and years, and his wife said, you've never told me you love me. He said, yes, I did. I told you the day we got married. If it ever changed, I'd let you know. Don't treat Jesus that way. Tell him you love him. Tell him you want to walk with him. Tell him you want that relationship with him. Down deep, I believe that God Almighty confirms in us if we really know him or not. What's he telling you right now? What's he telling you right now? Do you know him? Do you love him? Do you walk with him or not? It's an important question. That's the question Jesus leveled at these scribes and Pharisees. 2,000 years later, we ask it to ourselves. Do we really love him and walk with him? You know, to, to know Jesus is to give him all we have. We would be willing to strip out all of our material possessions rather than lose Jesus. We would rather lay down all of our fame and all of our fortune than to lose Jesus. We surrender all to him. Believers, I pray that we will reconfirm and recommit our life to him today and say, Lord Jesus, I will surrender all for you, even if it comes to laying down my life. I will surrender all to you. I want to walk with you, and I want to love you, and I want you to be my Lord and Savior and friend. If you want to do that here at the altar, or you want to do it where, right where you are, if you're streaming today, do it in your living room, do it in your car, wherever you are. Recommit your life to surrendering all to the Savior, Jesus. Because life is all about Him. You know, He tells us in John 15, you have to abide in me to be productive in anything else. I pray we will abide in Him, trust Him, love Him, walk with Him, and show Him that we want to follow His footsteps, surrendering all. And today, if you are here or you're listening and you've never come to Jesus as Savior, you have to hear His word of invitation. Lay everything down. Lay that amazing weight of sin and guilt that you're carrying on your shoulders. If you've never come to Jesus as Savior, you're carrying a weight that you don't need to carry. All the sin in your past and the guilt that is built up because of that sin on your shoulders... 
you can remove all of that and lay it at the feet of the cross of Jesus. And the word of the Bible says not that he may forgive you, he'll think about it and get back with you. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you lay that sin down before the Savior and he will forgive you and he will take that away. If you need him, today is the day to come to him. If you have a friend who needs this message, share it with them that he's willing to take the burden and willing to give you life as a son or a daughter who belongs to him, has a relationship with him. Church, home, whatever you need, the Lord meets us right now, and if you need him as Savior, you come, you accept him. If you're streaming with us, accept him as your Savior where you are. You want to recommit your life, you can do it here at an altar or at the altar of your heart. Let's pray together. Father God, these are hard words, Lord. And yet, I know that the old disciple John, under the inspiration of God, wrote them down this way because the world still needs to hear that there are people who are living a fake relationship with Jesus, living a lie. I pray this day, Father, that all of us, within the sound of my voice, whether it is here in Little Clifford, Virginia, in person, somewhere in our neighboring community church members who are listening by streaming or maybe even a neighbor and a, a loved one who is in Europe or another country of the world hearing the message pray Father that we will open our hearts and our lives to a true relationship walking with you talking with you following you believing your truth Jesus told us that until we abide in him that we can't be productive in anything else in our life in a great way Help us, Father, as your sons and daughters to seek that relationship with you that honors you. Bless that one who needs you as Savior, Lord. Today is the day that he or she can say yes. They don't have to wait. They don't have to feel like they've got to get better. Lord, they can come today. And the Bible says when it, it's a true decision of faith, they can lay down their sin and their guilt and you will forgive and you will turn them around just as you did that woman at the beginning of chapter 8 of John and say, go, you belong to me. I'm changing your life. Go and sin no more. A life can be changed for eternity this very minute. Church home, whatever they need, bless us in these moments in Jesus' name. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.